is from your own heart. Thank God for corporate words, but let us just speak from, to, from our hearts tonight. Tell him how grateful we are and how thankful we are. God, we love you and we thank you tonight for your faithfulness, your banner over us that is love. We thank you, God, that while we were yet sinners, you came and fought our battle. And still today, you're fighting our battles for us. So, God, we just thank you for the honor to worship you. And while we worship, you war on our behalf. And God, we thank you for that tonight. We give you the praise for that tonight. And God, we just pray that your kingdom be established within us and your will be done within us. Great defender of our souls. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's good to see you on a Wednesday night. Amen. Um, it was just wonderful to be able to come together with brothers and sisters and just lift up the name of Jesus, just worship him. Um, appreciate Pastor Greg uh, filling the pulpit on Sunday. As I'm sure they told you, I was with Pastor Randall in Waynesboro. Renee and I went there to celebrate his anniversary. Uh, we, in fact, helped to um, pioneer, start, plant that church five years ago. And uh, they are being blessed of the Lord, and we're grateful for that. And, and uh, we're thankful for the small part that we had in that, being able to see the kingdom of God advance there. And, uh, but it's, there's no place like home, right? There's no place like home. And, and uh, so as much as we enjoyed it, we miss being with you all. But um, I'm glad to be here on tonight. Amen. Um, I shared along the lines of that what I want to, it's still in my heart for tonight. And so uh, on Sunday, that's what I'm trying to say, I shared along these lines and and uh, just kind of in my heart. And so I'm just going to pick up there, even though you didn't hear Sunday's message. Is that okay? Yes. Judges chapter 20. And I want to start reading in verse um, 18. It is um, Israel going to war against the Benjamites, or Benjamin, and uh, the people who followed and was with Benjamin. So Judges chapter 20 and verse number 18. The Bible says there, Then the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. And they said, Which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped again uh, against uh, Geba, is that how you say that? Sure, all right. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin 
and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. And then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. And so the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin, and the second day, and Benjamin went out against them and from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Then drop down to verse 28. And part B, he said, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. Drop down to verse 32, and it says, The children of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us as at first, but the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in a battle array. Are you still with me? The battle of Tamar. And then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of uh, Gibeah. And 10,000 select men from all of Israel came against Gibeah. And the battle was fierce. But the Benjamites did not know the disaster was upon them. And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites as they drew the sword. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, do it again. Do it again. Every farmer plants seed every year they grow a harvest. Every year the harvest is collected. Then the cycle starts over again. The next year the farmer plants the seed, the harvest grows, and then the harvest is reaped. This happens every year. No farmer has ever expected to plant seed in the ground one year and then the next year says, I sowed seed last year and so I'm expecting a harvest this year. It just doesn't work that way. In other words, there's no farmer that expects not to have to do anything in this season so that they can, just because they had something in the last season. Are you with me? Because every new season requires a new and a fresh seed. You cannot expect to receive a harvest 
this year off of what you sowed last season or last year. And so we must determine as we go into new seasons that we are stepping into a new season of fresh praise. We are stepping into fresh worship. We're stepping into fresh faith and fresh commitment. Why? Because every new season requires new seed. Amen. Every season requires new seeds. So what I'm saying to you is, is the farmer does not expect a harvest off of what he sowed last year. Neither can you expect to receive a harvest off of your praise, your worship, your faith, or your commitment that you have done in past seasons. You've got to have a now season seed in the ground. Amen. And so that is the reason why that we continually, perpetually are sowing seed. I've heard people say that concerning giving, because most people, when you talk about seed, that's the first thing they think about is money. And most people say that, that well, I sowed a seed on Sunday, and Monday I got a harvest. Well, I'm not going to argue and fight with anybody, but I, would be, I think that I would be pretty confident in saying that, that you didn't get harvest off of that seed it was seed that you sowed previously that brought the harvest today because you again a farmer doesn't put seed in the ground today and say I'm going to have a harvest tomorrow it is seed time and harvest right and so there is planting and there then there is preparation and then there is harvest in John chapter 5, we read about a man who suffered from an infirmity for 38 years. He was completely crippled and he was unable to walk or to move. And the Bible tells us that at a certain season, an angel would come and the Lord would come down and trouble the waters. And at the pool of Bethesda, at the certain season, they would be healed, right? When the waters were troubled, the first one that stepped into the pool, the first one who whoever got into the waters first after they were troubled, that they received healing no matter what the disease was, no matter what the infirmity was. But the scripture declares that this man said that I can't get in quick enough, right? And so some time after time he misses his miracle and one day Jesus walks up and, and talks to this man and asks him the question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? And the man said yes. But he goes on to, but, you know, but I, I don't have nobody. But I can't get in quick enough. I, all of these things. And he didn't think that it was possible for him to be healed because of his condition and limitations. And he had, he had all of this going on of, of limitations and conditions in this season. Whenever he had to find himself in the pool, he has all these limitations. So he, he is focused on his limitations in the season when he should have been focusing on the miracle. When he should have been focusing on the blessing. How many times... Do we feel that we can't have our healing, we can't have our miracle, we can't have our breakthrough, we can't have our answer to prayer because of present conditions, present limitations, amen? 
But when Jesus spoke to this crippled man, he was trying to take him from a place of believing beyond his circumstance or his current conditions so that he would begin to believe God for the more. And basically, Jesus was telling this man that even though he didn't have anyone to put him in the water in the past, didn't mean that he couldn't get his healing now. Amen. In other words, just because we have conditions and just because we've had limitations does not mean that our current circumstance has to continue to be the same. Amen. He was saying just because it has been that way in seasons before doesn't mean that it's going to be that way in your season now. Amen. It doesn't mean that it is this time and season that you are now in is going to be the same way that it always has been. Whenever we come to a resolve that it is not going to change, when seasons come and we can feel it and sense the seasonal change and transfer and we understand that that is what is going on, uh, nothing can stop a seasonal change. Amen. It, when it starts getting cold, it's going to get cold. Now, you may have an Indian summer, right, for a week when it warms up, but there's nothing going to stop the season from changing. But the difficulty is, is when we have been, become a captive in our minds that we already have resolved that even though that we've left the season of trouble, we have left the season of pain, we have left the season of, that has brought turmoil in our lives, that even though the season has now changed, that we feel as though that we are going to remain the same. And Jesus comes to challenge this man and tell him just because your seasons have been this way in the past is not a, 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 is something that's going to hinder me from causing it to be different in the now. Amen. I want you to hear what Jesus was saying in your own spirit or in your own life about seasonal change. Because I believe that this is a new season. I believe that God wants to take you to a place of believing that is beyond your present limitations. That is, that is beyond your past experiences of Him. Amen. Because He wants to give you more than you've ever had. Tell your neighbor He wants to give you more. Amen. He wants you to experience more. He wants you to know more in this season of shift and season of change. He wants you to experience what you've never experienced in your life. It is the Martha and Mary experience. Amen. You say, what is that? They said, Martha and Mary, when their brother Lazarus had died, said, if you would have been here. Our brother would not have died. Why did they come to that conclusion? Because in their past seasons, they had seen Jesus heal the sick. 
In their past seasons, they had seen Jesus do great and mighty things. And they felt as though that if he had been there, that he, he would not have died. But, but now, as you hear it in their voice, I don't want to put more in the word than is there. But as you hear it in their voice, they, they've came to a conclusion, now it is too late. Their faith was built upon their past experience. And their past experience was that if Jesus was here, he could have healed Lazarus. Amen? But now there is a present limitation. He's dead. Lazarus is dead and in Martha and Mary's mind, it's too late because they had seen Jesus heal, but they had never seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. And so in this new season that they're in, they almost miss their moment because Jesus is about to show them something brand new that they had never seen him do before. He's about to reveal something about himself that they did not know about him. And that was that he is not just a healer, but that he is a resurrector from the dead. Amen. Jesus, Jesus looks and says to, you know, the story that, that, that it is, it, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. I don't have time to preach all of that. But, but it is true that, that there are seasons in our life that if we will allow God, it doesn't have to be a replica of your last season. He will speak to us and he will show us something of himself that we have never seen before. Jesus told this crippled man to arise. It was his way of bringing him to a greater level of faith. Because this man heard a fresh word. This man was brought to him into a new season of faith. And Jesus is pushing on him and tells him to arise. Amen. Imagine that. He doesn't lay hands on him. He doesn't pray. He doesn't say, I'm going to go fast for three days and come back. He just tells him to arise. And it was, he was raising him his expectation up. He was raising his level of faith up. Because if you could imagine with me, it would take him an act of faith because he had never stood up before. Amen. But he tells him to stand up as powerful and as almighty as Jesus is. It was the man who had to make the decision that I'm going to stand up. Jesus was right there. And when Jesus said arise, the man had to make a decision that in this season I'm not going to allow last season to determine my now season. And so now I'm going to, to do what he has spoken to me. And by faith, I don't know, I've got a vivid imagination, but I can imagine that man, as he began to determine in his mind, first of all, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to arise. 
the man could have said, I've never done that before, Jesus. He could have said, I'm unable to stand. Could you give me another command that is more able for me to perform? But he didn't. He made a decision to arise. He made a decision to receive the fresh word and do something fresh in himself and in his life. And if you want something new in this new season, you have to be willing to believe the new revelation, the freshness of God's word. You can't just hinge upon what you have experienced or what you have felt or what you have believed about a certain word when the Holy Spirit brings revelation illumination into your life and into your study and into the word when it leaps off of the page and gets in your spirit now you've got to make a choice am I going to believe this new word this fresh revelation or am I going to remain in the old season I've got to believe the new way do something I've never done amen in Acts chapter 3, here is a man who has been lame from his mother's womb. Day in and day out, this man sits at a gate of the temple begging alms of those who entered in to worship. As he lays at the gate daily, the Bible says he's expecting. What is he expecting? He's expecting mere alms. To be able to eat something that night to sustain him through the night so that he can return to receive alms again tomorrow to continue to do the same thing. One day, unexpectedly, everything changed. You know the story. Two men came, Peter and John, right? This time they go into the hour of prayer. They say, we don't have any silver and we don't have any gold. I, I, I believe now, I believe that they had been to church for prayer meeting before. <laughs> I believe they were faithful to the hour of prayer. I believe that out of their generosity, they gave to this man. They helped this man. They blessed this man. And I believe that the ex part of the expectation that he had when he seen them coming is they had blessed them many times before. The Bible doesn't say that. I'm just telling you what I believe. But there was an expectation in his heart that he would receive alms from them. Many, maybe many others went in, but never. But now he expects to receive silver and gold. But now all they had was the power of the Holy Ghost. And they said, we are going to release to you what we have, right? Before they went in, they had, had, when they went in, they hadn't been to Pentecost. But now they had been to the upper room. You can't give somebody something you don't have yourself. I said, you can't give it away if you don't have it. Amen. But that day they had received something in the upper room that released the gift of the Holy Ghost into their life that empowered them for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through their life. And so Peter the, told the lame man, look on us. This is, this is the way of saying you have looked to men for money. 
But we want you to look to us for a miracle. How many have ever heard preachers say or people, church folks say, don't look to me. Don't look on me. But that ain't what Peter and John said. They said, looky here. Right? <laughs> we don't have what you think we've got today because we're out of money. Silver and gold, we don't have it. But we've been to the upper room and we've got the power of the Holy Spirit and so when the power of the hope, when we as the people of God have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we don't have to be ashamed or back up. We can say, look to us, right? It is not us that we're talking about is in the form of the flesh, but in the form of the Spirit. Amen. And when Peter grabbed him by his hand, amen, it was a way of pulling him up into a new place of faith. It was a way of pulling him up into a new position of receiving something he had never received before. And the lame man had to make a decision that I'm going to go along for the ride. Amen. He could have chose to say, uh-uh, you ain't lifting me up so I can fall on my face. He could, have, he could have said, just leave me alone. Don't be grabbing my hand, Peter. But no, he didn't do that. He made a choice. He said, I don't know what this uh, such as I have is, but I, I, I'm going to trust it, right? I'm going to believe it. And so he did that. And when he grabbed Peter's hand, there was something supernatural released into his life that he had never experienced before. What I'm trying to tell you is this, my brothers and sisters, this this is where we must be at the, as the church. Jesus is not coming back for a weak anemic church. He's not coming back for a broke, disgusted church. He's not coming back for a lethargic church. He's not coming back for a church that is spiritually powerless and bankrupt. But he's coming back for a church in this season that will say, I don't have what you're wanting. I don't have the flesh. I don't have the desires that you have. But I do have what you need because within me resides the Jesus lives in me the Holy Ghost lives in me the power of God lives on the inside of me and so therefore silver and gold I don't have but I've got something that'll cause cancer to dry up and die I've got something that'll cause diabetes to straighten up I've got something that'll bring joy in the midst of your sorrow I've got something to bring a miracle in the middle of your mess it's the God that lives on the inside of me hallelujah you believe it give him praise here tonight he could have chosen not to do anything and just said I'm going to lay here until I die but he chose in this season to do something different amen He didn't do that, holding back, but he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to believe God. And he made a decision to stand up. Somewhere in this account, there was a shift in the lame man's faith. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how long the conversation. We have a record of what was said to an extent, but he made a conscious decision in his mind to stop looking for alms and start believing for his miracle. 
I don't know what all was discussed. I don't know, but I have to believe that he made a conscious decision somewhere in this conversation to say, I'm going to shift what I'm looking for. I'm going to quit looking for money, and I'm going to start looking for a miracle. He chose to allow fate to arise in his heart. He caused, he, it, this caused a shift within him. Instead of believing for alms, he started believing for his miracle. Instead of believing for relief, which is temporary, he started believing for a remedy, which is permanent. Remember, this man was begging. He was financially destitute, surviving day to day by begging for alms. But not only was he suffering from financial lack, he also couldn't walk. He had been a, hadn't been able to walk. He could, couldn't, could have worked if he could have walked. He could have earned himself a living had he been able to walk. And what a shame that he sat at the gate of the temple looking for a temporary fix instead of a permanent solution. I know Pentecost had something to do with that. I believe that. But I wonder if he would have had faith to say, I'm not looking for a Band-Aid. I'm not looking for something just to hold me over. I'm looking for a change in my life. I'm looking for a difference in my life. My question to all of us is this, how many times do we expect alms when God is wanting to give us a miracle? When God is wanting to destroy the yoke and remove the burden, when he says the season is shift and now it's no longer the way that it has been, but this is a new season. And if you'll, if you'll sow new worship, if you'll sow new praise, if you'll have a fresh commitment in your life, I'm going to do something for you in this season that has not been done in your past. How often do we expect a temporary fix rather than expecting a permanent solution? There is a command going forth in this new season. It is this. It's to leave the former things of the past behind and believe God for the new moving into our future. Moving into our future. It's time for a fresh word, a fresh faith, and a fresh anointing. It's a fresh commitment and fresh worship that a fresh praise that will release the freshness of God upon our lives. And that's the reason why it's so hard to do it. When we're down, when we're discouraged, when we're overwhelmed, that's the time that the enemy says it's, 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 there's no reason to worship, there's no reason to praise. But if we would only push through and begin to praise him with a fresh word and a fresh worship and give him a fresh song and give him a fresh praise and a fresh commitment, a new commitment and say, God, I'm going to bless you with all of my heart. I'm going to praise you in the midst of this storm. I'm going to glorify you in the midst of everything that is. I'm just going to renew my commitment of faithfulness to you. Amen. And this new season is going to be unlike any other that we have ever experienced. It's time to forget those things that are behind and for us to press into what is going to happen now. Amen. A lot of times we are quick to give up, aren't we? 
we're quick to throw in the towel. We're quick to just say it ain't going to work. It's not happening. It's not taking place. That's the reason I've read you this text. I know you thought I forgot my text, right? I'm just talking to you tonight. Is that okay? We come upon this text in Judges chapter 20 and the Israelites were getting ready to go into battle against the tribe of Benjamin. Israel prayed and sought the Lord and asked the Lord this question, shall we go up against Benjamin? And shall we go into battle? And the Lord clearly says yes. Right? We, he gave them specific instructions and he says to them, yes, and send Judah first. We know that Judah means praise, right? In other words, he told them to send your praise first. The Israelites obeyed and sent Judah in first. And what happens? They got a glorious victory. Y'all aren't reading with me, are you? <laughs> They were obedient. They did what God told them to do and got defeated. 22,000 men were slaughtered in one day doing what God said to do. He said, yes, go up against them. They come back, they regroup, they pray again, they fast. They're praying and fasting the day and they ask the question a second time. And they said, should we go up? And, and God says, yes, go up against them. Right? And they go up against them a second time. And, and, and you would have thought the second time they'd have got victory. But 18,000 of them were slaughtered. Israel was slaughtered again. Destroyed. They're licking their wounds. They run back to, the, to their homes. And, and they began to pray and they began to seek God. And they said, God, do, do you want us to go again? Should, should you, we, we haven't got victory over this situation. Should we just stop? Should we quit? Should we, did we miss you in this thing? And God answers, yes, go up. Fight them again. It's important to understand that, that there is nothing in the scripture that, that suggests that he changed anything. Every time they went up, they went up putting Judah first, putting praisers first, putting the worship first. And first time, 22,000. Second time, 18,000. The third time, they do it the same way. They send the praisers. Nothing suggests that anything changes. All three times. How many uh, times has, have they gone up? Three times now. And on the third occasion, they win the battle. They defeat Benjamin. And they are destroyed. Not only are they destroyed, but if you read this chapter, it, it talks about how this, the city was destroyed and, 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 and the tribe of Benjamin got fear in their hearts and they began to flee. Amen. My, my question is, how many times have we heard from the Lord and we have had, had God speak to us about doing a thing and we did it only for it to fail? 
I've done things in my life, and I know there's sometimes I'm not saying that I've always got it right, but there are sometimes I know I heard God and did it and didn't get the outcome I was expecting. Didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. I've even had good friends tell me, you missed God on that. I said, no, I, I didn't miss God. I don't, I, can't under, I don't understand how, but whenever I read this scripture, I look at it and see that the first time they're slain, the second time they're slain, and the third time they get victory. But my question is, how many would have done it three times? If we, would, we, if we could bring up the audacity and the courage to get up and do it a second time, we would think surely God is going to give us the victory this time. Only to be embarrassed, only to be humiliated, only to be disappointed, only to be overwhelmed. Huh? Not even talking about your brothers that are laying slain all over. And you see you, all of these funerals that are taking place and yet we look and we see how many times has a man or a woman of God told you to praise God for your victory, praise God for your miracle, worship God for your healing, thank God for your breakthrough and you say, oh no, I did that before. How many times have we seemingly remained the same and never grown, even grown worse because we refused? We said we believed God and He didn't come through. We worshiped God and He didn't do nothing for us. We believed God for the miracle or the breakthrough and it didn't take place. So, so, so we're not going to say nothing. And whenever we come to that conclusion, we stay in the confines or the mess that we're in. It's the story of the Shulamite woman. Huh? Whenever the prophet of God goes and he, she builds a room onto his house and he does all of these things for him. And he says, what do you want? And she says, I don't want nothing. You know why she didn't want nothing? Because she believed God before. She expected before. She dared to trust before. And now she's heartbroken. She's disappointed. And she's frustrated. How do I know that? Because when she, the man of God pointed his finger at her and said this time next year you'll be having a male child in your hands. She turned around and said shut up. That's Matthew's translation, but that's pretty close to what she said. Right? Don't, don't get my hopes up. Don't, don't even mess with me. Just leave me alone. I just wanted to bless you. I'm not looking for nothing. Just leave me alone. That's how I know she was disappointed before in her past. 
but it did not stop the word of the Lord from being released into her life and the prophetic word of God came to pass in her life I want to tell you today my brothers and sisters it may have failed it may have embarrassed and humiliated and it may have been frustrated in your past but this is a new season this is a new day this is fresh anointing this is a fresh opportunity and so we have to step out of our yesterday and come into our now and say I'm a dare to do it again I've prayed before and it didn't work but I'm going to pray again I've worshipped before and it didn't happen but I'm going to worship again I'm going to give God praise again until I see the miracle I'm going to worship him until the breakthrough comes I'm going to come into his gates with thanksgiving until the answer to my situation is revealed in my life why? because I dare to do it again hallelujah you think a man or a woman of God missed it when God told them to tell you praise him you think that he missed it whenever God said just worship me just trust me when he said just praise me That sounds, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Just, just praise me. You've got a financial situation that there is no way that you can get the money to answer it. And the preacher says, just praise him. Yeah, that's really going to work, ain't it? No, I need some money in the bank. Right? Whenever we're facing physical sickness, affliction, or we're dealing with relational or a marriage situation, whatever it is, and, 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 and we say something so easy as just worship God. God's going to give you a breakthrough. Just worship God. It sounds so crazy. Until you understand what this song is we've been singing. Before I ever knew he was gone, he went to fight my battles. What did I do? All I did was worship. <laughs> and he brought me the victory. Amen. And so... We can say that our worship is powerful. We can say that our praise does great things. But if we don't believe it, then we'll, we'll be stuck in our yesterday. But you see, God wants us to understand tonight that he wants to give us something we've never had before. He wants to reveal himself, but it, 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 we have to have tenacity. We have to have persistence. We have to believe God. Amen. It's called just because it didn't work the first time doesn't mean it won't work the second time. Amen. You see, 
I'm, I'm grateful, and I don't, I don't hope that you don't think that whenever I tell you that I've been preaching for the gospel, I've been pastoring 35 years, that I don't, I don't hope you don't think that I'm being braggadocious, but I want to tell you that I've learned a secret, and that is that, that I, I'm not the most, maybe y'all don't know it, but I'm not the most extrovert person. I don't have the greatest personality, light up a room whenever I walk in, all of those things. I don't play 16 instruments and sing like a canary. I don't have all that going on. I've had friends that have. I've run with a lot of folks that aren't running anymore. They've been able to preach. They could preach circles around me. They could sing. They could do all of these things. But I've learned an art of being a bulldog. Amen. You don't have to be fast. This body wasn't built for speed. Amen. This body was built for elasticity. Amen. Endurance. Amen. My, it, it, it is a picture of my spirit because I, I may not have all of those things going on, but I know what it is to get a hold of something in the spirit and not let go of it. Amen. I know what it is to believe God and say, God, I'm going to trust you for it even though I can't see it and I don't know how it's going to happen. Even though it may fail the first time and the second time and I'm going to believe you the third time and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to give you the glory and I'm going to trust you for a different outcome this time than there was the last two times. Amen. So whenever we learn how to hold on to God, then we'll praise Him in the midst of the storm. We'll praise Him in the trials. We'll praise Him on the mountaintop. Because you see, my praise may not be always the same, but I will praise Him. I will bless Him. I will glorify His name because it's the secret weapon. Amen? And so in seasons of your life, you just if you'll let God, He'll give you a fresh praise. He'll give you a fresh worship. He'll, he'll give you a fresh tongue. And sometimes it's after the first time and the second time has failed that you dare to trust him again, that you get a greater revelation of who he really is in your life. Amen? So I just come tonight to say I dare you to do it again. Dare you to do it again. Dare you to pray again. Dare you to believe again. Dare you to trust again. Dare you to hope again. Amen. Hope against hope. Believe God even though it doesn't seem like there is no way for your life to change or situations to change. Say, I know I planted seed before and I got this harvest, but, but this is a new season. So I want to plant fresh seed again in this season and believe for a different harvest. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, that's all I got. <laughs>